Hi, Sam. Hi, Lauren. Are you ready to talk about our new movie, The Midnight Sky? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. note before the episode starts where we discuss the midnight sky Lauren and I did record a mini topic for this episode but we decided to release it as a bonus episode because her sister Shelby came and they told a story that they had uncovered that is personal to Lauren and Shelby's family history and if you are interested in hearing that you can hop on over to our bonus episode but just a warning it does contain descriptions of a violent crime that happened. So that is why we released it as a separate bonus episode. Now, without further ado, please sit back and enjoy our discussion about The Midnight Sky. So are you ready to talk about the movie? I am, yes. All right. So what did you think of the movie? Well, I didn't think it was as bad as I was expecting based on things I'd seen people's reviews, people's reactions on Twitter, etc. I was expecting something comically bad or I posed that to Mike a couple nights ago and he said it it probably won't be comically bad. It's probably just going to be really boring. And so I was like, oh, you're right. And so I was expecting either something really terrible or something really boring. And in my opinion, it was neither of those things. I think it was unoriginal and uncreative and I have plenty of negative things to say about it but I also thought that it kept my interest most of the time and even the parts that made me kind of angry because of the lack of creativity I still was like interested in seeing what happened and it didn't feel long to me it it's under two hours and it didn't feel like it was exorbitantly long or unbearable I kind of enjoyed watching it I don't think it's a movie that I would ever watch again but I, I don't know, it, I, it incited enough emotion in me in both directions that I have things to say, which if it was a terrible movie or a boring movie, that would not be the case. I mean, unless it was comically bad, but it, you know, like if it was a boring movie, that wouldn't have happened. So I think I'd give it like a solid two stars out of five <laughs> and you'll see why. What did you think? It's funny because I actually thought almost the exact same thing as you. I, um, I, it kept my interest. It kept me watching the whole time. I, I wasn't like, I wasn't really ever bored. Um, I, I totally agree with you. I would not say it's an original movie. I think that there was something missing. Either it should have been more of a thriller or it should have been less of what they were attempting to kind of make a thriller. There were certain parts that I felt like were unnecessary to have in the movie. Um, And I am the same thing where I don't think I would watch it again, but I didn't just, I really honestly didn't dislike it, you know? And it was, it it touched me enough where in my mind, like if you can, if you're, even if you're a bad movie, if you can emotionally touch me, um, I'm going to somewhat like it. You know what I mean? Yep. So I would give it a five out of 10 stars. <laughs> I wouldn't go as low as you did, but I totally agree with you. It was like, it wasn't the best movie, 
by any means, and it will never win any awards. However, it's not terrible. It's really right. not. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so, yeah, I, I kind of went in going, thinking like, um, my expectation, actually didn't really have any expectations other than I've heard that it was kind of boring, but I, so my expectations were like non-existent or super low and I, and they actually exceeded them. So I was happy about that because, uh, I was just pretty much thinking like, eh, I don't know, I, but no, I, I definitely don't think it was terrible. Yeah, I I think my biggest like overarching critique of the movie without drilling down is that I pretty much enjoyed almost all of the the scenes on the on the spaceship. I thought that was yeah. really cool. I was very intrigued and I think it's pretty creative that some sort of tragedy happened on Earth but the people in the ship have no idea what it is. Yeah. And I would have liked the entire movie to be just them on the ship trying to figure out if it's them, if it's their comms or earth comms and not knowing what's going on and the various things that happen on the ship. Like I really, really liked when the ship like drifted off course. And I assume like one of the problems with the movie is there's just not enough explanation for things, but I assume it's because there's no telemetry on earth to connect to Right. And so it drifted off course and I wish they would have explained that a little bit better, but I still really liked that. And I really liked how they had to go into like uncharted space and obviously there was peril and I thought that was really cool. And then they got the first view of earth and it looks like, I don't know, a dust storm of some kind, but I, I really liked that. And I thought cut out George Clooney entirely. George Clooney could be maybe at the very end when they finally make contact, but I didn't care pretty much one bit about his storyline. And if I ever was going to go like, ugh, during the movie, it would be when it left the ship and came back to George Clooney because my level of caring for his story like steadily went downhill. (laughs) But they also did something that I really got annoyed by and they had a young actor play George Clooney as a young man, but then they use George Clooney's voice and I hated that. And it was so distracting. And I wish that we would just get back to creatively letting the audience understand that George Clooney. Like, I didn't think it was. It didn't sound like him to me. Are you sure? Cause I don't, I'm like, by the way, that guy that played the younger version of him, did you know that he's Gregory Peck's grandson? No. <laughs> and he was also one of the French guys in Passport to Paris, which is my favorite Olsen Twins movie. <laughs> Ultimately, they decided on Ethan Peck for the role and used technology to blend Clooney and Peck's voices for the character of young Augustine. Oh, that's weird. So they did do that. And I thought it was so distracting. And I just wish that we could go back to the days when the, like, I know that George Clooney cannot play his younger self anymore. And I, totally 100% okay with that get a different actor show me characterization that makes me know who you're talking about and just let me escape into the movie because what I was doing when those scenes were happening was texting Mike and telling him how much I hate that they do stuff like this so it really bothered me and it was used sparingly but not sparingly enough for me to be okay with it because what they did in the movie which I thought 
is good filmmaking is when they went back in time, there was like a golden sheen on everything. The coloring was different. The mood, the tone, everything was different. So I knew it was the past. He had the same name and it would jump from his scenes to this past scene. So everything was there to lead me to the fact that it was young Augustine, young George Clooney. I didn't need his voice. It's, it's just like the bad CG that they use for young faces. It's not, good and it's distracting and i i i think it just like just stop it just end it right now don't do it anymore yeah i know i totally agree with you and actually i think that they i think that they maybe could have cut out his whole backstory um entirely and just told it from a present day perspective you know what i mean um just because it was kind of short and it was like then there was like that whole thing where he has like a romance with someone and I could have not cared less about that romance like at all because there was nothing tying the audience like emotionally to that that story you know what I mean like she's like I'm pregnant but you don't care and you're like blah 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 and this and this and that and I was like I was like who is she again <laughs> you know what I mean like I I kind of was I was like, oh, okay, so I guess she, like, they went on a couple dates and we're supposed to assume that they're in love or whatever, and, and it, and I, like, understand, obviously, that there's, like, the important aspect of, of having him find out that he is a child, but, um, to me, it just was kind of, like, not an, either not enough time was spent on it, or it shouldn't have just, it just shouldn't have been part of it, you know? Um, yeah, I tend to agree because like, I know that like Felicity Jones is like his child and that's the big reveal, but I don't care. I would have much rather just had a storyline where he's saving the last humans. Yeah. You know, I also actually, I totally agree with you because, um, you know, he finds that little girl who, whose name is Iris and she's like not talking to him except for one part where she speaks and it's like a dream or something and then when they revealed at the end that that was that Felicity Jones was the the daughter like all grown up I was kind of like oh okay you know and and so you're supposed to assume that this little child that he has been traveling with it has never existed or she I mean she existed obviously at some point in time but he's like hallucinating her he's imagining her and I didn't think that was done well enough to really make me fully believe that she wasn't there you know what I mean like I like in my mind she was such a solid figure that she was like real and then when they you kind of reveal that she like never was there I was just like ah okay <laughs> you know, like I, yeah, that aspect of the movie really bothered me. I thought it was that's one of the things I thought was super cheap and super uncreative is like the tropey old old grizzled solitary man interacting with a child. I didn't care for that. And like they had like a fight with their like peas, like they were eating dinner and they had peas and she was like tossing them at him and then they had this weird fight and this like goofy kid-ish sort of music is playing and it's just like the tone nothing about it is it matches the rest of the movie and I, I didn't care for any of that and 
there's a stupid, a very stupid misdirection at the beginning with um, where they're evacuating the, like the research station at the Arctic Circle. And there's a mother who's like, my daughter, Anna, my daughter, I can't find her. And another woman is like, oh, I saw her. She got on a different transport. And all of that just seems, it just screams like thrown together to me because what mother in an evacuation situation would lose track of her child? And what random person in an evacuation situation would just take a child on a transport without just taking them back to their mother? So all of that just seemed like you couldn't find a different way to misdirect the audience because I fell for it because I couldn't remember that the kid's name was Anna. Yeah. And so I fell for it the whole time. I thought it was real. I didn't understand how a mother could leave her child at the Arctic Circle and not come back for the child immediately, but that's like a whole different conversation, a whole different movie. But, and then I rewatched the beginning just to see. So the movie tells us basically, it spells it out that this isn't the child that was left behind because she says a different name. Like if they wanted to do that, they could have just like, they could have made it so she didn't say the child's name. Right. And I mean, maybe it doesn't matter because like I said, I fell for it, but at the same time, I think that's just really lazy. And I, it's just so tiring. It's so tiring that like, here's this child who's is a figment of his imagination because he never got to know his real daughter. So it's his real daughter. She starts a fire in the research station. How does a hallucination start a fire? in a research station when he's not even in the same room he's he's sitting at a computer and an alarm goes off and there's a fire and that's when he sees a little girl but she's not real so how did that happen like couldn't they just couldn't they just have him wandering the halls and see her like she can't cause destruction right well and also okay so back to what you had mentioned about that first scene um I felt the same way where I was like, oh, this is someone's kid that they left behind. Like, someone just leaves their child behind in the fucking Arctic Circle, totally. And also, um, that whole thing where the the woman had, like, lost her kid was never brought up again. So it wasn't important at all. It was pointless, yeah. It was totally pointless. And Mm -hmm. so it was a weird, yeah, it was like a red herring that wasn't necessarily to be there. There was no, re- there's no reason for that red herring to be there, you know? And it was, it was, it's like, unless he accidentally like left a rag on the stove and left the stove on or something, or I don't know, or bumped it. I don't know, whatever. You're right. There's no reason for a hallucination to be able to set a fire. <laughs> like it's. Yeah. And it's, I I also have a problem with the whole premise of the movie and I, I call it like in my head this morning I was sort of like getting ready and, and ruminating about the movie and I, I don't like lazy science because the whole movie is based on science. That's the, the plot line of the movie is something happens on earth and they never say what it was because it's lazy. And I think it's just because I think it's based on a book. I don't know much about the book, but I I hope the book explains things further because otherwise I think it's a classic case of I'm writing a story that I don't, I don't, I don't either have the energy to create 
the reasoning or I don't know enough to create the reasoning, but I think that's, you need to do more research because I, I don't, I mean, like in, in the movie Interstellar, he goes into the black hole and they figure out a way to, you know, like to move, like to find a solution. And yeah, I'm sure I'm actually, I'm not sure. Maybe going into a black hole would do that. Maybe not. But what I like about that movie is they had the confidence to move forward boldly with an explanation that you can agree on within the confines of the movie. And I would have liked that within the confines of this movie if they'd just given me an explanation because I don't understand why they were all evacuating to certain death because the guy at the beginning says to George Clooney, like, you can still come, you know, and he's like, what, come die with the rest of you. And the guy's like, we just all want to be home. But that woman had her daughter up there. So that makes me think there were families up there. So I'm not sure why they would leave if that was the last like safe place for like their life would have been prolonged by a a few weeks. Why would they all fly to certain death? It seemed like, they had a really good situation going on. And also he was looking at those computer screens and it looked like all major cities had like spreading some sort of radiation. So right. what would that be that would take over the whole earth in major cities? Cause nuclear war in my head takes care of itself. Like one country shoots a bomb, then the country shoots a bomb back. It doesn't shoot to every single major city on the globe. It would right. make, it would make part of the world not habitable, but not the whole world for a while, I would think, if it was well, that no, many bombs. It but could, It could cause nuclear winter across the world, and that would cause plants to die. And- but the, I understand what you mean, but the graphic made it look like every single city was experiencing it at the same time, emanating from the city itself. Right. No, that's what bothers me. It's like nonsensical. And I have to, so I have to say something. So I, I don't know. Have you ever seen the show Disenchantment? Is it a musical? No, it's, it's a um, Matt Groening show. Um, Oh, I've never seen it. It's a cartoon like about medieval times or something. Yeah. It's funny. It's like, it has magic in it too. But, um, so the lead character is named Tia Beanie and she's played by Abby Jacobson. And um, who I love, she's on Broad City and she's really funny. But there's a scene in like the third season where this guy um, comes to the city and, and like, this is like an old city, like they have no new technology and he is like a flying machine. And he's, and she's like, how do you do this? Is this magic? And he goes, no, it's science. And she goes, um, I believe it's called science. And so every time someone says science, I'm like, I believe it's called science and I can't get it out of my head. (laughs) (laughs) Science. (laughs) Science. Um, You're right. The science in this is totally wrong. (laughs) But I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I was thinking that through the entire movie, I was like, what happened? What, what happened to this earth? What like, and not only what happened to cause a bunch of people to start dying, but the entire like, earth is a different color it's Mm -hmm. like not green and blue it's like red so this you know apocalyptic event this cataclysmic event that changed literally the face of the planet and it was just never explained like we just don't know we're just supposed to blindly accept it as an audience and i refuse to i don't want to blindly accept anything as an audience i want you to tell me this is what happened this is why everyone's dying or the world is dying 
And this is why, you know, I mean, like, what was the triggering event for him to decide to, um, to find this other planet? What was it called again? Like, K-43, I think, which was also something that I couldn't quite get on board with, K-23. K-23, yeah. Because, yeah, did you ever see the movie Downsizing with Matt Damon? No. Well, there's an interesting thing in that movie where, like, some gases escape, and it basically dooms humanity, and it's, it's like a sub, it's like a B storyline almost, um well maybe not i mean it's hard to it's not the main story but it is a catalyst for some of the things in the storyline and so basically this like these gases escaped and humanity is gonna die in like like 200 years or something like that it's like it's in the it's far enough in the future where like matt damon's character doesn't have to worry about it but it is the end of like humanity is doomed right and just like I said with Interstellar, like maybe the science isn't totally sound, but I admire them for explaining things. And right. it would have been so easy in this movie to just have, like you said, his younger self be like, listen, I'm looking at these models and Earth doesn't have long. We have to find a new place to live. And I found this magical moon that nobody knew about by Jupiter of all places that has rolling fields and according to Felicity Jones, smells like Colorado. And I just like, I, I don't even like that because I think Jupiter is within our solar system. There are backyard astronomers, okay? There's backyard astronomers. A moon wouldn't be like, oh, what's that? A moon? Like Galileo saw some of Jupiter's moons, okay? So I just, that bothered me as well that I, I just, I couldn't get behind that even because right. I, like surely a planet that is like has habitable, can, can, have humans living on it with no oxygen because she was just like walking around like she was outside like well i mean that was a dream sequence but i assume that it was like earth right, it was would yeah. not be within our galaxy or solar system would not be within our solar system you know right or what they could have done has been like oh we've actually known about this for a long time but we just now were able to send someone to go there and see there yeah that's good yeah yeah Instead of being like, guess what, guys? Um, so last night I was in my backyard and I was hanging out. <laughs> I spotted a moon and I think it can contain life. <laughs> you know, like, and it's, and everyone's just like, this guy's a fucking genius. And I'm like, oh, he owns a damn telescope. Like, what do you freaking do? <laughs> you know, it's just. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, I, I think there was a scene, so. Two things come to mind also. There's a scene where Felicity Jones' character, she's on the ship, Sully. the ether, Sully. Sully is trying to get a hold of anybody from Earth. Like, the comms are all down. And I really like that mystery. And I wish it wasn't ruined for me. I wish the movie was about the ship. So I was like, what's going on on Earth? But anyway, so she finally gets a hold of him and he's like, he has no urgency and it drove me nuts. She's like, hello, Lake Hazen. Cause he was at, he went to this new station in Lake Hazen or whatever. And she's like, Haven, Lake Hazen. I don't know. She's like, hello, can you hear me? We can't hear anything from earth. What's going on? And he's like, uh, some say, I don't know, maybe it was an act 
accident. And he was just speaking so slowly. And if that was me, if I was George Clooney, I would be like hand on the button being like, don't come back to earth. There was nuclear war. You will not survive. Turn around and go back to K-43. But instead he was like, uh, where do I begin? I was 14 in 1983 and I saw my first pair of Nike tennis shoes, you know, like, like, he has no urgency but the whole but he also he also walked miles and miles in the arctic cold fell into a lake that was covered with ice was able to swim around for a little bit and he survived it came all the way to this new station and he was just ready to just have like a a chill sort of vague conversation and that's because of the lazy science in the movie the writers didn't know what happened to the earth so they couldn't have their characters say it and that really bothered me yeah, you know what? I think that the whole, first of all, I had a, and we've talked about this before because we both live in Michigan and so we know, like, we know what it's like when it's under 32 degrees, like it's 24 now or something, whatever. I don't know. I'm not sure right now what it is right now, but it's cold. If you were outside long enough and you had just gotten out of a frozen pot, like a frozen ocean you would die of hypothermia because even if you have a you're not supposed to wear your wet clothes mm-hmm. to the water because you can get hypothermia like that's like a huge thing so i'm supposed to believe that this coat protected him from not getting frostbite or not dying and it's like for to me the whole okay i actually i want to talk about a part um in this because it really kind of it kind of bothered me but like to me, I didn't think it was necessary to have that added storyline of him traveling across um, Antarctica to go to this other place that has better communication. Because first of all, you're putting a lot of faith into this little vehicle that's gonna get you there. And it's like, winds are crazy. You can't see where you're going. Like to me, why, why? Like you're, you're putting your own life in danger at that point and it just seems like there either should have been a resolution that he could have re- like used to make him able to contact these people, or he should have been at Lake Hazen the entire time. Or Lake Hazen could have been an observatory slash whatever, you know, a radio outpost, or I don't know what it's called. But um, it's like, it's bad enough in Michigan traveling, let alone in Antarctica. And not to mention, but like they had, you know, brought there were like wolves there. So I'm like, oh no, an apex predator. And I'm like, these creatures know, they, they, have, they have like evolved to thrive in this environment. So they're 100% always going to win over you, which is a tiny little human who has shitty eyesight because we do. Humans have terrible eyesight. We are not meant to thrive in a cold environment like that. And it, it like, I just, I couldn't get on board with that. But then the part that really bugged me was when he sees the plane and he goes in and there's a guy that's lying there and I'm assuming the guy asked him to kill him and he does. One, what in what universe was that ever even important to the story or the plot? (laughs) you're telling me that this guy has been lying there and what I'm assuming is like a turtleneck sweater and some pants and he didn't die of exposure that there's no way 
inside of the airplane is heated. Like there's wind coming through those like fucking thick plastic curtains. Like there's not even like any insulation. And I was so annoyed by that. I was like, what's the point of this scene? What is the reason that this is here? To like, it's it's not like a compassion thing. It's not an empathy thing. It's just there. It, it's just there so we know that this dude just killed some guy. Okay. Like <laughs> Yeah, and they make a big deal. They make a big deal out of the little girl, like seeing the pilot mutilated, and then she hears the gunshot. But the girl wasn't real the whole time. Yeah. So there's no point. I agree with you. That scene is really, really just, it can be cut out entirely. It doesn't matter because it didn't help anything and it didn't hurt anything. It just is. It just existed within the movie. I mean, it's not like she was traumatized because she's not real. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, like we're but, worried about the mental health of a, a child that doesn't exist. You know, like, come on. There's also something else you want you brought up that I wanted to talk about. So you talked about him like traveling from the first station to the other station and risking his life. And there's a thread that they could have used, but they didn't because he's laying there doing his like dialysis thing. And he's looking out through a porthole and he says to the little girl at the original station, he says, do you see it? That's the, that's Polaris. That's the most important star. If you ever get lost, you just find that star. And what, so, so, so they find this like overnight thing halfway to wherever they're going. And it's like a little abandoned station that apparently was built on an, on a frozen lake. And in the middle of the night, it starts sinking into the lake and he's wearing nothing but regular clothes and he's able to swim in that water. I don't think you can like swim. I think there are people who dive in wetsuits in Arctic water, but they're prepared for it and they've trained for it but if you're just sunk into it and you're not ready I don't think you can swim around the way he did he was like diving into it and swimming and I think as Leonardo DiCaprio taught me in the movie Titanic water that cold is like a thousand knives <laughs> stabbing you so yeah, thank you. <laughs> so I don't think he could swim in it as long, and I don't think he could have gotten himself out because, like you said, like you, your body is not designed for that level of cold in the water or in the air. And then he somehow makes it out, puts his coat on, and he's able to walk the rest of the way in like blowing snow. How does he find it? And they could have easily like maybe maybe i could have been okay if they would have had him see the north star and know how to go north but they never did that ever what happened was the sun came out the sun came out and i guess that could tell him what direction to go but why would he say anything about the north star earlier in the movie when the north star never plays a part and the sun i guess like I guess the sun guided him, but it didn't really, it just, the sun was supposed to be like, oh, look, your daughter didn't die when you thought you shot a wolf or something. And then they made it to that station and he was totally fine. Like you said, his nose didn't even get like frostbite. There was no frostbite. He was fine. The only thing was he lost his dialysis machine. So he was pretty much like going to die soon anyway. But there was just so much pointlessness in all of the things that happened with his story that it really drove me nuts. Yeah. No. So the, the Norwegian container, cause I, I looked up the flag. Um, and I, at first I was like, what is that flag? I was like, is it 
Finland? And then I was like, I'm going to look it up because I was curious. And I was like, oh, Norway. But I was pretty proud because I was like, close enough. <laughs> like, they're geographically close enough. So it counts still in my mind. <laughs> anyway, um, I think people from Norway would disagree, but. <laughs> I think they totally would too. So I'm sorry, people from Norway in Finland. But um, you guys are the best. Love you. Um, well, I Finland doesn't even exist. So. <laughs> what doesn't exist? Have you ever heard that conspiracy well, theory? That. Have you ever heard that theory about Finland not existing? It was just like oh. Finland was created <laughs> by like Japanese and Russian fishermen because they wanted to be able to fish in the sea without like regular, I don't know, something ridiculous. No, I've, I've heard of that. Um, yeah. Okay, so I, <laughs> maybe you'll laugh at this, but I was like, what, when they got into the Norwegian container, um, and like it started filling with water, like he's he's asleep and it started filling with water. I was like, where's all this water coming from? Yeah, yeah <laughs> me too. Fuck it. I could not figure it out. Like I was like, I don't understand. They're on land because I just, because in my mind, because I'm a land lover, <laughs> that why wouldn't it, like, why wouldn't it be land? You know, like why, like, it, I guess I just, I didn't put two and two together, but then like the ice started breaking and I was like, oh, right. That's right. Okay. That makes sense that it's ice. But I, I was just like, what the hell is happening? And I'm like, and so when they started showing all that water, I was thinking that it was in his mind that he was dreaming. Me too. Yeah. Because what had happened is that they had showed him talking to the little girl, Iris, and he said like, ask me something about my life and she said like did you ever love her or something like that you know um and by the way before they explain that iris is actually sully i had thought like from the moment that they introduced a little girl i was like wow that little girl looks a lot like felicity jones oh really yeah from the moment i was like huh that's interesting that they chose some of that so much like this actress you know mm -hmm. uh, so, so anyway, I thought that the whole thing with, with the, the container was bizarre and it, it just, there was just a lot with that whole aspect of him traveling that I really had a big issue with because again, it just doesn't logically make sense that he would survive that. First of all, if you're falling into water, you, your body immediately goes into shock. So if you don't already inhale the water because you're so surprised, um, it, it just seems to me like it was, it was ridiculous that he would live through that. In my mind, he would have died on the way there because yep. he's going to walk across Antarctica. Yeah. Um, no, he's, like, he's in the Arctic circle. He's North, but still. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Same, same um, idea. Same idea. He's not going to, uh, either way, it's a frozen landscape. He's not yeah. going to be totally fine after being in soaking wet water that is undoubtedly below freezing, you know? I mean, and like, it's just, it, it was just, it, I don't, it goes back to like the whole, like, sorry to interrupt you, but it goes back to the whole idea of like, I told you about like Spartacus when they like had that first episode where they're like running through the snow, but they're wearing like loincloths and like no shirts and they're for some reason just like totally fine. It's like, 
who, who, who wrote this? Who wrote this and has ever been in a frozen landscape? Who, who, Because you need to answer for your crimes against humanity because this shit pisses me off. It pisses me off so fucking much when they have these illogical, you know, scenes where people are in these frozen landscapes and they're just totally fine. It doesn't yeah that way like you would die of exposure you die of hypothermia you would not survive that there's no fucking way (sighs) yeah i also i i i can't i can't add to what you're saying because you said it so perfectly but i also think obviously (laughs) i think that there's also like a little lazy pinpointed like maybe global warning warming message in that because i don't know if glaciers in the middle of a glacier just like break open into open water like that you know what i mean like i don't even know if that would be possible because they they're pretty thick and so i thought like so is this some sort of like global warming thing where like ice is breaking but we never saw that anywhere else like everywhere else when where he went it was supposed to be very cold so I, I'm not sure how that even would happen, but at the same time, I really don't know how he would find his way to this other observatory with no protection and no map of any kind. And it just seems so egregiously unbelievable. And it, it was really bothersome. Yeah. Yeah. I also have another thing to say. Um, how did those birds find themselves in, it's the, in the Arctic, right? That- well, I wasn't, were they birds or were they supposed to be penguins or something? I couldn't really they tell. Like ravens or crows to me or something. I don't, they were not penguins. Okay. Because they like, yeah, they were like, yeah, no, they were, they were not penguins. Also, I don't know enough about radiation, but he made it seemed like he made it seem like they just needed oxygen masks and they were going to be okay. But I don't think radiation works that way. I think radiation like mutates your cells. Just that's it. Full stop. Like it's not an oxygen, non-oxygen thing. Well, so no, I, I you're right. But um, I just to, to, to mention something here um, in that show, Dark Taurus, the one with David Ferrier, he goes and he visits Chernobyl and in Chernobyl they have to wear face masks like we're doing right now in our world um but they're not oxygen masks they're just face masks to keep out dust because dust can be radiated or irradiated oh okay so if they breathe in the dust they can they can get more radiation into their body okay so that might explain it's not the same thing though no, it's it's not the same thing. But I, if they would have explained that science a little bit in the in the movie, maybe I would have been like I said, okay with it. Like just a little tiny bit of exposition to let me know, like to give me some science, pseudoscience, whatever to grab onto, so I can right. escape into the movie. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. and I don't know about snow because it's freshly fallen. So, like, I think it's snow is pure. You know? No, let me tell you this story about radiation and snow. <laughs> so okay. when I first started working in the call center, I got a call from a man in Texas who was, we were going through the, the motions and, and I was taking his information and stuff. And then I tried to like 
tried to do like conversation starters and stuff with people and uh, and it had snowed in texas and i said oh i heard that texas got snow and that's pretty rare right and he's like oh yeah it is it is pretty rare and my grandson loves it because he's never seen it before and so i taught him how to make ice cream out of the snow and i said what tell me the story i live in michigan i've never heard this before and he said yeah you you get snow and you put like vanilla into it and you you know you churn it and he told me all this stuff and you can make it in like a ziploc bag you don't need like an ice cream maker or whatever thing or anything and he's like yeah and it's ice cream and it's awesome and i was like that's so cool so that night i went home and i was sitting at the dinner table with my parents and i was like you guys i got this call from this guy in texas and he was so excited about snow in texas and he taught me how to make ice cream out of the snow and i'm totally gonna try it and my parents like jumped across the table to hold me down to be like don't ever 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 do that don't ever eat snow ever ever and i was like whoa what and they're like it's full of radiation and uh really Everything is full of radiation. Rain has radiation. Dirt has radiation. Snow has radiation. Radiation is everywhere. Really? Full of, I'm full of might be hyperbolic, but yeah, I mean, like radiation is everywhere. And so everything has trace amounts of radiation. And my parents, it was, it was like I said, guys, someone that called told you about this drug called meth. And I think I'm going to go try to find some and, and smoke it because it sounds incredible. And they, you know, like that was their reaction. But I also have another story. When I was working at the movie theater, I found we were handing out um, like Lilo and Stitch stick on tattoos to the little kids, you know, yeah. and I found one when I was cleaning a theater. I found one that like a kid had dropped. So I put it on my hand. And later that day when I was home, my mom was like, oh, look at your little tattoo. And I said, yeah, I found this in a theater. A kid didn't use it. And my mom had the exact same reaction. And she said, Samantha. People put LSD on those. Don't ever do that. <laughs> and I was like, what? This was from the theater. We handed them out. And she's like, people do that. Don't ever put on a stick on tattoo that you don't know where it came from. And I was like, mom, nobody in the theater brought LSD, put it on a tattoo we gave them and left it there. Also, it's hours later. Don't you think I would know? Like, Yeah, you would have known. Anyway, so... <laughs> That, that, um, that reminds me, so, um, I, I read something somewhere that just kind of reminds me of that whole tattoo thing, um, is that people were, like, parents were like, I'm worried that people are going to be passing out drugs to my kids. Oh, like, like gummies, like, yeah. Yeah, and someone commented on it, and they were like, they were like, um, why would someone be passing out their expensive drugs? To yeah. Like, like, they're not going to, no one's going to do that. They're going to keep it shit for themselves. Like, and I just thought it was so funny because it's like, it's totally true. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, here's $20 worth of, you know, meth or whatever. They're going to be like, no, I want to use this meth because I'm a meth head and I need to get my fix, you know, like, but. Um, well, like, nobody's going to, like, buy enough like weed gummies to hand out at Halloween and I guess you'd have to be if you were a parent who was at all concerned about that I don't think that would ever like get past you like if if the one weird guy in the whole country like the same guy who put a razor bladed apple apparently if he did it like you would notice because it doesn't it's not like Sour Patch Kids injected it's like its own brand you know (laughs) yeah you can can do them making or you can you know make um, edibles use like in gummy bear form, sure, but 
again, you're right. It is a different brand. It's yeah, not- it's not going to be in a Haribo bag. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> unless you're like a really, really into the crime, you know, but. Right. Like, yeah, unless no. you're like some savvy, you know, but then again, it costs a lot of money to make edibles because it, it's a lot of marijuana. So why are you, like, no, it's going to just be. Yeah. They're edible. Yeah. And I just, I thought that was just so funny like it's just like these are things that you're worried about that you really should not be worried because it's not gonna happen yeah so anyway everything has trace amounts of radiation in it but i don't like i used to eat snow when i was a kid i know i ate snow i mean like i didn't like make a big plate of it but i know i ate it a little bit oh yeah because it's novel when you're a kid it's novel but anyway so yeah so i don't think there's such thing as like pure snow i think and maybe in an instant in like whatever was happening in this movie maybe the snow was more dangerous but i don't know how those birds died i don't i don't know it's i I didn't like that because it felt like it was it just didn't seem like those birds would even why would they even fly up there you know yeah i don't know i don't know what kind of birds are native to the arctic circle (laughs) i don't either and it's like and if it was going to be um it was like a bunch of birds dying i would think it would be like a mass migration not like five you know yeah twenty thousand birds or something it would be a huge amount so you're like okay something's because then in that case that's just creepy and you're like okay something's really wrong here yeah just for the like they just kind of appeared and they showed up and i was like what why why are they there again there seems to be a disconnect with the lack of silence, silence, science in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ugh, oh boy. Yeah, but I liked I I liked a lot of the stuff that happened on the ship. I don't think I cared for the pregnancy story because I was like, it seems really unprofessional for two astronauts to get pregnant. Like, yes. there's no condoms in space. Like, I don't doubt that if you're on a long-term mission, there's probably going to be sex happening. I mean, that that doesn't surprise me. But what surprised me is that professional scientists wouldn't... Okay, I know accidents happen, but let's just... In a realistic situation, there would be condoms. And I... Yeah, or or some... Or or birth control, maybe, or... it, It seems... I agree. It seems a little weird. And obviously the idea is kind of like they have to restart humanity. But then all I could, okay, and this is like, this is just totally where my mind went, but all I could think of is like, okay, so now there's only three of them. If, if the baby survives pregnancy, because it might not happen, they're not in a place where she is really able to give birth. They don't have that kind of, you know, tools. Why would they? Yeah. Um, how is that going to happen? The, the, the whole human line is going to be filled with incest. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like a... I don't know if there's... I don't know what the word for it is, but I know it when I see it. And it's like a... Like playing on the Bible where it's like it's Adam and Eve. But right. it's, it's not Adam and Eve because it's like two men chose to go to the doomed earth and i don't i'm still not sure why they did that like i would assume your family's probably dead and there was no follow-up on them like they were just gone they just decided to leave and i was like you would think like 
with two other men, maybe she could procreate with them and they could at least have like half siblings procreating later. I'm like, I mean, it's not an ideal situation to be having sex with a bunch of people you don't necessarily want to have sex with. But if you're also the last part of humanity, like, what are you going to do? Also, this might sound selfish of me, but if me and another man were the last two people, and well, I didn't care for the fact that she was already pregnant because that seemed really on the nose. Yeah. Um, I would have preferred, if they were going to do like last man, last woman, I would have preferred it was just last man, last woman. And then we can determine in our own imaginations if they decide to procreate or not. But as a woman... If I was the last woman on earth and the last man on earth was with me and, you know, just not go, I'm just, let's just assume that we like each other. We may even love each other. Like having sex with him is not the problem. Like I would have, you know, like, yeah, we'll probably become romantically involved because we're the last two. And that's, that's settled in my head. But as a woman, the idea of like, I have to get pregnant now and give birth in this like wasteland society where neither one of us where any number of things could go wrong i don't think i could do it i don't think i would care enough about continuing the human race with like one singular child or however many kids we have i don't i don't think i i don't think i'd want to do it i'd say look let's just live out the rest of our years the two of us and enjoy the time we have together and but i don't ever want to get pregnant like that's not that would not be something i would want because there'd be nobody left to disdain me for it. And I wouldn't want to go through the fact that I would have to give birth, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, and again, you're, you know, the person who's helping you give birth is not prepared. They mm-hmm. don't science. They're scientists, but they're not in this, a scientist in the way of giving birth. So, like, they mean, and they're not like a doctor. So it's like, it's not like they're familiar I mean, I'm assuming not familiar with the human body. What they're familiar with is everything that's like beyond our planet. So it's like you're already in an environment where like you don't know what might happen. You don't know what kind of predators there are out there. Um, And it kind of reminds me of The Quiet Place where, is it A Quiet Place? You know what I mean? The movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Where she has to give birth, they have to remain quiet. That's what babies don't do. <laughs> like they don't. Yeah. Remember it. Like that. It's just. It, it's like. It just seems. I I kind of agree with you because. You are the last two people on Earth, and honestly, Earth has like I'm assuming that this cataclysmic event was probably human made. Um, you know we don't know because I never explain it, but. In my mind, like, so we have already fucked up Earth so badly that we're looking for another planet to go fuck up. Why put that planet through it? We are, uh, as a species, and this may be a very, very controversial statement, but I don't care because I totally believe it, but we as a species are a parasite on this Earth. We have destroyed it. We have done nothing but ruin it, and there are creatures that are going extinct because we keep taking away their homes. So in my mind, why? Why continue this race when we're already such a blemish on this planet? Why continue that and destroy another planet? You know, like, what's the point? You know, like, what has humanity done to help Earth? Not really much at all. It's done well, nothing. Good. I think that's, 
I don't fully agree with you. I agree that we've made egregious errors, but I, like I'd rather have my family and the people I love than a perfect earth. Yeah. Honestly, um, people are all we have. Like all I have is people. If my family died, but a lake was clean, that would that would be a shallow victory. I wouldn't care. Um, like when coronavirus first started, people were posting a lot about how clean the canals in Venice were, and I thought that was so incredibly offensive to people who had lost family members. I do agree with you that humans are destructive by nature, and yeah, why why do they need to fill another planet? Who knows? But I also think like realistically your kids are i mean like you're are you gonna force your kids to have sex with each other like yeah. how does that work how does how does that work in i mean okay i feel like it makes me sound like a psychopath when i said that and i do still stand by my statement but um i also i agree with you that it's it's important to be surrounded by your family and your loved ones and everything um yeah i don't i don't care for like the adam and eve complex that they that they had and I didn't care I didn't have any emotions to the fact that Sully was his daughter like oh Sully's his daughter okay so he seemed like he was an insensitive jerk as a young person like that woman loved him and he just couldn't he didn't have time for her he just wanted to find a planet so badly but they never explained his motivation like who lit the fire is something going wrong or do you are you just trying to be prepared like why are you ignoring this woman to find a new planet is there a reason for it but it, it just seems like no he's just in, in, he just you know he just doesn't but, need and, her and i would argue too that why as a viewer should we assume that they even have a relationship other than the fact that we saw them talking once at a party we don't really see them together. You don't see them building a happy life together. You don't see them dating. You don't see them falling in love. All, all we're supposed to assume is what we've, what we've been given, and that's that they had a relationship and she got pregnant. So they could have had a one-night stand and she got pregnant. Yeah, like, that's a good mean? point. That's a good there, point. There's no, there's no reason for us to be, to really feel like sympathetic towards the situation of these two people in love or these two people that are together or whatever, because we just don't know. And I mean, and and even you could even say from like, from uh, the perspective of the viewer, it's like, she's getting all upset at him, but I'm like, but why, why are you getting upset at him? Did you, how long do you know him? Have you known him for a week? Have you known him for a month, a year, two years, five years? What's up? You know, like, have you been together for a decade? We, why would we know? We have no idea because nothing was ever shown to us. So yeah, I'm, actually, that's a really good point. That's yeah. And I think that that whole storyline, his whole storyline could have been summed up by one singular flashback where they just showed at the end where he's talking to Sully and you see a very quick flashback of the fact that he had a, some sort of sexual relationship with a woman. She got pregnant. He never met his kid, but he's saving his kid's life now. I, you know, like that's all it was. And they spent two hours telling that story and there's nothing to it, you know? Yeah, and it's like, and he, you know, who knows? Like she could have gotten pregnant and he could have been like, I don't want to have a kid. That's not what I want, you know? Like, and oh i think he made it pretty clear that it's not what he wanted (laughs) well yeah i mean i know but that's what i'm saying is that it's like it's like they 
gave us this storyline. They like spoon fed us a storyline and they're like, how do you feel about this? And I'm like, yeah, anything about it. It's like, it's like, okay, I have, um, I have this medi- medicine like Miralax, which is supposed to help you, you know, go, go to the bathroom and it's tasteless. <laughs> so, and it's like really weird because it really tastes like nothing, but there's also like a weird, almost aftertaste. It's like, it's like, you know, like LaCroix, you know how LaCroix is like someone whispers like the name of a fruit from like another room while you're drinking like carbonated water. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is like that. But if they were like a football, like field away, <laughs> like they're like, and I'm like, oh yeah, I do taste just a little something. Anyway, that it's like feeding me a spoon, feeding me this tasteless Miralax and then being like, what does it taste like to you? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's nothing there. Then my, my whole metaphor is that there's nothing there. There's no tangible, uh, there's no tangible emotion holding us to this woman that was supposedly in love with him or whatever. And it's like, you know, I mean, like, they're trying to create this kind of, like, empathy for Augustine, who's George Clooney's character, but I, I, and I do feel in certain aspects, because I can't imagine being alone and slowly dying, and, but at the same time, I mean. He's alone by choice. Right, and I wouldn't call him a very compelling character. No. I mean, he's. He drove away the one person who wanted to be with him. Well, two people, I guess, because his daughter probably would have wanted to be with him if she knew he existed and he wanted them around. So, yeah, he he's alone by choice, and he, I guess, yeah, he's not very interesting. He seemed he seemed kind of like he may have had some like I don't know his singular focus on this K twenty three planet with no explanation around it whatsoever for the viewer to latch onto. It doesn't seem healthy, you know. Yeah, like and if and if they had done something again, like started it out. So like you know, a perfect example of this kind of thing that would have been great is Danny Boyle's Twenty Eight Days Later, where um, in the beginning, like you don't actually like see any scenes but it's all these like newspaper articles and it's like these news reports and they're like oh yeah shit's going down something bad's happening so you're like okay as a viewer i understand something has started and it's real bad and now we're in this post you know like we're this weird post-apocalyptic world but you also know that you're there because you have you have been introduced to it but if you're you know again with with the midnight sky is you're just thrown into this world where they're like, there's a shit ton of radiation. And we're like, well, why is there a shit ton of radiation? They're like, I don't know. (laughs) Yes. And it's like, that's for me to know when you two never find out. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So it's just a, it's a bizarre. No. Okay. My original point, I forgot where I was going. I was getting all like metaphorical and shit. Um, But my original point is that if, there had been, like in the beginning, we had seen um, newspaper articles or people, you know, like um, any sort of anything that triggers like, okay, so something's happening in this world and now we as, a, as humanity need to leave. It. And it 
and this was starting to happen when he was younger. So it became an obsession for him to find a new world for us to occupy. I totally would have been on board with that because I would have been like, okay, that makes sense. But instead it's just like, I'm just obsessed with this moon that revolves around Jupiter. And I'm like, well, I also like the constellation Orion, but I'm not losing my fucking mind over it. You know? like, not driving away loved ones because of it. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, it just seems like there is a serious disconnect with Augustine and this whole obsession with K-23 because we don't really get why he had one to begin with, you know? And yeah, yeah. I think he should have, I think like what you said, it should have been more focused on the space station and it should have been a lot less focused on him and he should have been a minor role in the whole thing. Yes, very, very minor. I don't care about his psychological distress. I don't care about his physical ailments. I don't care. I don't care. Um, no, I wouldn't say that. I would never say that. Like, I, my favorite character was Maya. And she was on it. And I, I was, was just... When Maya died. Like, I felt grief. So... I was just going to say that something I really, really, really liked was Maya's death scene. I thought it was done really well. I, it's, yeah. it was, it was, it, I actually, like, <laughs> your post uh, spoiled the movie for me slightly because I saw a picture of Felicity Jones and the captain looking sad. So when the three of them went out on the spacewalk, I thought, I bet Maya dies. And I was oh, tense. No. I was tense the entire time. And then they were all coming back in and I thought, oh, Maya doesn't die. Maybe they're sad for a different reason. And then brilliant. I mean, like, if I could isolate a moment from a movie, like I felt this way about Bird Box as well. Like I thought Bird Box as a like Bird Box for most of the movie was just like garbage to me. But there was like t a tiny part of it that I thought, like a tiny like seven minute portion in the middle that I thought could have make a made a really good short film. And I thought that about this movie as well. Like if you could isolate their spacewalk and her death scene, I think it'd be a tremendous short film because she's like. She's so lighthearted. She's going back into the ship and she's like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to have two drinks. I'm going to celebrate my first and last spacewalk. And then you just see that tiny bubble of blood come up in her yeah. helmet. And I thought that was like in a movie where everything is like not that creative. I thought that was pretty creative. And um, I really, I really liked how she was like, help, help me. And I agree. She was probably one of my favorite characters as well. I thought she was really interesting and I thought her death was really well done. And I actually like, I liked how the tone of the ship changed after she died right. as well. Like everything, just nothing was good after that for any of them. I know, you know, so it's funny cause I agree with you and I also disagree with you at the same time about her death scene. Um, I, I really am not a big fan of the cliche, someone getting hurt when they're on a spacewalk, because it happens so often in movies that I pretty much expected it to happen in this one. And I didn't like that I had that expectation because I knew it, I was like, I was like, something bad's going to happen because it always does. It always, it's a very cliche part. However, I do agree with you with the whole, like the little dot of blood, like drifting up. You're like, Cause I'm looking at that and I was like, what is that? And I like, couldn't figure it out at first. And I was like, oh shit, that's blood. And I was like, oh no, something real bad's about to happen. So when they brought her back in and they like 
got her partially out of the suit and that like rush of blood came out um which was like a really a really interesting way to show it because it was in no gravity so you're seeing like it's not just like falling to the floor dripping down it's like yeah and little droplets just like drifting all over this and I did think that that was clever but again I'm not I'm not a big fan of the cliche spacewalk someone getting hurt because I've just seen it too much to me Mm -hmm. it's oh okay so this again but I really liked Maya because um you know like there's the scene where she's in the hologram and she's like eating and and she's watching her like sister and her like best friend and it just makes you kind of sad because she's not there anymore and she's not with them. And it's, it's two people that she clearly like really, really cares about and loves. And I really liked her relationship with Sanchez. Mm-hmm. I love Sanchez too. I thought yeah. it was like just a sweetheart. And, and I, I would have loved to see more development of those characters. And so again, I agree with you. I think that it would have been way better if most of the movie had been on the ship and less about Augustine. Yep. Yes. I wanted to know, what did you think of the sweet Caroline scene? See, I think that's a cliche that I don't necessarily care for is like lightheartedness right before something tragic happens. Also, I get like kind of uncomfortable when characters sing along in a way that's supposed to look off the cuff but it's obviously a scene that's been rehearsed that kind of that's something that that puts me off a little bit and it's hard to do there are movies that have done it well but the dynamic works but this movie i don't think it worked because it it, that felt like more of a cliche to me than some of the other stuff that happened i I didn't i didn't care for it what what were you thinking Uh, pretty much the same thing i didn't care for it it felt it felt like it should have been in a different movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yep. It, yeah. It, it just like, and to me too, like the song is, let's see. Okay. So this place takes place like 2049. So by now this song is, I think that song came out in the seventies. It's almost. Well, like- a diamond is forever, Lauren. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, but it's like almost a hundred years old, but like the majority of all these people on this um on this you know like ship know this song by heart and I was just I kind of like kind of was like you know I know that they're like obviously that is (laughs) fan service you know that is right something that they're doing for the fans yeah but in my mind I was like it's too far in the future for me to logically accept this as a song that everyone is singing along to and everyone knows you know i think i totally agree with you and that's a really smart observation and i think that they could have easily gotten around that if earlier in the movie sanchez had been like let's listen to some more neil diamond my favorite artist so all of them had heard the song multiple times through the voyage because you're right that's a really great point the only one who didn't know it was maya and really the other younger people probably wouldn't have known it so well either right if that was the first time he was playing it especially yeah it had to have been because she said she'd never heard it right like so it, it, it like yeah that and also it's like it seemed like the only reason she didn't know it is because she was younger than everyone else so it's kind of like the idea of 
like if you play um backstreet boys right now for someone who's like 15 they're like i don't know who this is you know and that makes sense because they're 15 why would they like why would they i mean obviously there's like exceptions to every rule but like you get what i mean it's still like it's an older band that is not around really much anymore so well you and i might be like oh my god i love this song <laughs> i love backstreet boys you know some kid is going to be like i've never heard this and it makes sense but it would make sense more if it was a song that was from like 2020 and they're listening to it in 2049 and she's like oh i don't know this and it's like okay so it's 29 years in the future that makes sense but you're talking <laughs> 70 80 whatever years in the future and everyone knows the lyrics to the song and i i couldn't i like really hated that actually yeah now it that was I'm cheap about it, i really it hated cheap. it yeah <laughs> it bugged me and it felt it just it felt like fan service and i oh I, I think you're totally right yeah and like some fan service is done well in this case i don't think it was done well i think it was it was stiff it was weird and i did not care for that at all. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Also, I was going to bring this up. You reminded me. So the reason he played that song is because everyone on the ship is like trying to tell Sully what she should name her, like, because they find out the baby is a girl. And so they're like telling her what she should name the baby. And Sanchez is like, you should name her Caroline. But there's Kyle Chandler's character says the name Hyacinth. And something weird happened because I watched Bridgerton like over Christmas and there's a character named Hyacinth in Bridgerton. And up till that point, I'd never heard of somebody being named Hyacinth. And now two pieces of media with that came out right around the same time have that as a female name. And I'm like, what kind of like weird brainwashing tactics are they trying to do? Like, are we going to have a rash of Hyacinths in the next like two years? Like, is that what's going to happen? Because I, I can't explain it. It's like the weirdest coincidence. I don't know. I, I tend to think there's no such thing as coincidences. But I don't know what sort of nefarious plot is at play unless some company accidentally paid $3 billion for personalized pens and they all say Hyacinth. And so they're trying to get <laughs> people to just start using it. But I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> no, it's weird. It's, it's like Is a- it the same writer? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I think Bridgerton is a book series, but I don't know (laughs) if there's the highest hyacinth is in the book or not. But I feel like what is is Bridgerton in the Regency era? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I feel like the Regency era and like super future space is not remotely similar. (laughs) (laughs) Bridgerton is Bridgerton is the filthiest show I've watched in a long time. Oh my gosh. Lauren, there are prolonged sex scenes that I think would be difficult. Like, sometimes I think about, like, filming a sex scene. Like, it ha- like some sex scenes, I think this has to be hard to film without getting turned on. In most of the scenes in Bridgerton, I'm like, how they, they had to have gotten turned on filming this sex scene because there's, they go for, to completion. Like, the sex yeah. scenes go to completion and... Anyway, it's a fun show, but it, it surprised me. Like, it shocked me at first because I didn't expect, because, you know, Jane Austen doesn't show 
like orgasms ever but Bridgerton but, showed a lot of them <laughs> so that's like uh, Hugh Grant said something I guess once to like one of his co-stars he's like listen I'm sorry if I get an erection and I'm sorry if I don't <laughs> yeah I don't like I I because when you're making the noises and going through the motions and you have to be in the mindset like you have to like not even just method acting just acting you have to act like you're having sex I think it would be really hard not to get turned on like I think it would be I think it would be logical for someone to be like yeah I'm really sorry but that was pretty hot (laughs) you know but yeah I'm at the same time though you have to think about it that they're two people who are being washed by a group of people. Yeah, I mean, it's all very clinical, but... Yeah, it's it's not like... I mean, I've, I've heard, like, I think it was... I want to say Patrick Dempsey for some reason, that he was like, sex scenes are not hot to film. Like, and it might have not been him, so... It would be very, like... I don't think I could fake the enjoyment without like practicing at least 300 times because it would be so embarrassing to have people watch you like pretend to have like to pre like vocally you know like I don't think I could I think that would be really really uncomfortable to do but if you're like kissing and writhing around with somebody and making those noises it also seems like it'd be really easy to do (laughs) like I don't know (laughs) like Amanda Peet said I I keep quoting people but Amanda Peet and I remember this being her because I this is something that has kind of always constantly been in the back of my mind but she said something like when you are filming like a love story you kind of have to fall a little bit in love with your coat co-star and that, that makes sense yeah yeah because you know I mean you're 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 filming it now we're totally getting off tangent but like you're filming like a very emotional um a romance so it makes sense that you'd be like okay so like I know you're married and everything but I got a little bit of the feels for you you know yeah be over when we walk away but I gotta say like you make you know you make things sing yeah well, there's chemistry. Chemistry makes a good movie. You know, you have to have good chemistry. I wonder if an, an actor or actress ever had an orgasm while they were filming a sex scene. I'm almost certain somebody has to have in the history of making sex scenes. Yeah. I feel um, like- Yeah. But something funny, just one more quote, or one not quote, one more point. Um, something funny for me is I really enjoyed Bridgerton. Like, it was very fun. It was a very fun diversion. Um don't watch it with your parents if you feel uncomfortable during long sex scenes, but I would recommend, it's just fun. It's very clever, but also something fun that happened after I watched it was finding Bridgerton TikToks were like making me laugh out loud because of people's responses and things. And like the main act, the main character, Daphne Bridgerton, one of the main characters, she like, so she gets married, but she doesn't know anything about sex. And so there's some funny TikToks about people being like, what is sex? what is a penis and it's like really funny and spot on if you've seen the show anyway so if you watch bridgerton then get on tiktok and you'll be entertained but that's great i heard it's like a it's like an old-fashioned gossip girl it yeah it's it's basically gossip girl set then yeah that's 100 percent. but anyway i mean i do love those those like over-the-top dramatic shows like i've been watching um devious maids and it's getting more and more ridiculous and i'm just like (laughs) I'm in it. I'm in it till end. <laughs> like it's, it's like they're like bringing in like the like 
the Mexican like mafia and like there's like cartel like murdered and they're trying to figure out like who murdered her and then there's like this guy this like couple who's like totally like just not a very good couple but I'm like just a little bit because she's kind of sexy um like I hate her but she's like hot you know what I mean like <laughs> and, um and they like uh, they want to adopt a child but then the like husband is so shitty that he like um contacts like the the kid's dad and gets the kid taken away and the mom is like or like she's not a mom she's the adopted mother is like devastated it's just it's so over the top and it's so ridiculous and I'm like what's gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's fun stuff like that is fun yeah I mean it's it's lifetime so it's you know you know what you're getting into if you're gonna watch a movie it's usually okay acting the acting's actually not bad it's pretty it's pretty good but um anyway so um let's talk about um uh hold on i lost his name where is it Kyle chandler okay mitchell okay first of all i don't know when i say this but um i'm gonna tell you anyway but when my sister and i were younger we used to watch a show called early edition Oh, and big time. I did too. Yeah. Kyle Chandler was on it. And my sister had the hugest crush on Kyle Chandler. Really? And, yeah. We used to like construct these like. We should have told her that he was on the movie. <laughs> we used to construct these like super intricate like stories of like how we were like friends with celebrities. It was really fun. We were, we were kids. But um, when I saw every time I see him, I'm like, Shelby had a thing for him. <laughs> <laughs> but he. I don't, I don't mind Kyle Chandler as a character, but I would never say that I look forward to seeing him in a movie because he kind of always plays like a stiff, like, uh, things have to go this way type of character who's like stubborn. And that really annoys me because I feel like with this movie, especially with the story, they're heading back to earth and, and they're like, something's not right with earth, you know? maybe we shouldn't go. We don't know what's going on. We can't get a hold of anyone. And they're like, they know something's not right. And he's just like, no, we're going back home. And, and then, and it was a little frustrating, I guess, you know? Yeah. I agree with you because on one hand, I think they were trying to build this emotion where he needed to find out what happened to his family. But Mm -hmm. on the other, I, I tend to think like if, if George Clooney, if Augustine had just been able to say what happened, then maybe that would have quelled that desire in him. And he would have been like, I think my family is dead. So we have to go back and start fresh. But since I, who knows what happened? Like, what were they flying into? You know, like, were they flying into certain death and they were okay with that? And then the, Sanchez was like, I've got to take Maya's body back. And that was like, all of this storyline I would be more compelled to agree with them if I knew what happened, like what is going on. And I agree with you. Like why I actually, that's a really smart observation. He does always play stubborn characters like in super eight as the dad, he was very stubborn and, and he um, hmm? he doesn't listen. Yeah. And yeah. so I agree with you. Like his character's motivations were very, like very thin. Yeah. You want to see your family, but at the same time, we as viewers are led to believe that the earth is forsaken, you know, like people aren't surviving this. 
so I, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's an incomplete storyline. Well, and so, you know, he gets the, um, the call from his wife from like 10 days ago. And first of all, I, <laughs> so this, this actress, um, I can never, her real name is Miriam Shore, but I had to look her up. But every time I see her in anything, I'm like, ah, it's Diana Trout because she plays a character named Diana Trout in the show Younger. And her character is like a super bitch. Hearing <laughs> <laughs> anything, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm willing to give you a chance. I hope you're not bitchy in this. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So like, it's like, I kind of can't like see past her. And she was actually in an episode of Broad City. And, um, but uh you know that's that's not really part of it's not really important but anyway um yeah so he gets the call from his his um wife and she's like our sons are really sick and we're evacuating and i i'm giving you the uh, you know where we're going or whatever um and i have to say that i did think it was kind of weird that they didn't include that she was like we're gonna be in this yeah Whatever. you know what I mean because she's like I'm telling you where we are but then like that was it and we didn't see the rest so I was like just include that like it, it would take like two seconds you know what I mean I thought that was just a little bizarre that they didn't include that yeah and maybe include that like like some science or some explanation where she's like they say the radiation won't get to us until six weeks from now if we go to this place or something so then we know that they're not just flying in to like sudden death or to seeing just like piles of bodies because none of that made sense to me his his desire to see his family made sense but from what i understood of the event because that's what they called it it doesn't seem like it's a viable situation to go back to earth at all I did actually like the subplot of him returning to earth because I thought it was really sweet that he really wanted to see his family, even if he knows that there's, they might not be alive. And I really like that um, Sanchez wanted to bring back Maya's body knowing, and, and I guess I could kind of, it would have been maybe, I think a little bit nicer if maybe Mitchell had also been like, I'm going to bring back Maya's body too. So Sanchez also did not have to sacrifice himself, but I didn't hate that. I actually kind of liked that. I thought it was, um, it was very bittersweet. It was like, there was a, like Sanchez clearly had a lot of respect for Maya and he wanted to put her to rest where she was going to be close to her family. And it, it just like it, it touched me and it made me sad because it was, it was, he was willing to sacrifice himself to, to bring her back home. And, um, I mean, I, I don't think I would have done that. You know, I don't think I would think I would have been like, well, I mean, it, it's, it, it, I don't know. So what did you think of that? Um, without sounding too insulting, I thought it played on all the wrong emotions in a badly written way. Okay. <laughs> why, why do you I say? like I I struggle with any reasoning like if I struggle with any reasoning where it's like none of this makes sense because she has passed on, she is dead. I understand wanting to honor somebody who has died. That's not what I have a problem with. What I have a problem with is him going to certain death to bury a body that doesn't care anymore 
Right. And I, I don't, I, I didn't find that touching just because it's so illogical. Right. Um, in that regard. Uh, but I don't want to say that, I mean, like I, I appreciate that he loved her so much and she was like a, a daughter to him and he wanted to honor her in death. I think that that's totally great. I think that's really beautiful sentiment, but I just wish that maybe they would have had like some sort of funeral in the ship and like sent her body out into space or something because the earth, the earth is gone, you know? And, and so I, the futility of that trip stopped seeming sweet to me. Right. So that's kind of how I felt about it, but I understand and I see your point. Mm -hmm. It's just for me, I didn't care for it. I totally see your point too. That's uh, 100%. I think, um, I think you're right that she is now like she, Maya is no longer Maya because she, you know, and what essentially is left is the, you know, corporeal representation of her. But that corporeal representation does not have any thoughts or feelings or personality that she does. And eventually that um, is going to waste away and decompose and, and that's it. And I think you're 100% right is that um, what Sanchez did, while I think that he was doing it for honorable reasons, I also think it's like, why... I don't think Maya would have wanted him to sacrifice himself just to bring her body home. And I certainly wouldn't want that. I'd be like, I'd be, I'm dead, dude. Just shoot me in the space. Fucking send me among the stars. I'll be fine. You know, like, yeah. And, but it, it, there was a lot of aspects of this movie that while I liked emotional things, it also seemed like, it was things that they were like, here, be emotional over this. But I'm like, but you're not giving me a reason to be emotional over it. Like, yeah. this is like Augustine's girlfriend. I don't care. I don't care about Augustine's girlfriend for the fucking five seconds I saw her. Like, she's British and she's cute. And she's kind of sassy. Okay, great. Well, there's dozens of those, you know? So, like, it, it doesn't, like, I'm, I'm not, you know... It it felt like it felt like a, a piece of fiction that was written by like a ninth grader who will probably be a really great writer someday, right. but they have to go through this phase before they become great. Right. And it's just like all the emotions that you know a piece of literature or a piece of film or a piece of art is supposed to make you feel, but well done literature, art and film and music makes you feel it in a way that you don't, ex it w when you don't really expect it or it does it in a, in a unique way. But this is like, let me, let me harness all these emotions that people have already made you feel and put them all in one thing. Right. And, yeah. and it's just too, like, it's like shooting, it's fish in a barrel basically like with emotions. And yeah, yeah I agree with you. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to bring up that is kind of out of place but I forgot to say it when we were talking about George Clooney. But so there's this scene where he's he's like, he says to his computer and he's like, uh, give me all the active missions in space. 
and it goes through all these act inactive missions and then it gets to ether the ship and they're like ether active and he's like he says when are they going to be within range and it's like ether will be within range in 11 hours so he's like set an alarm so then 11 hours go by and and he's like trying to contact them and he can't reach them and he says to the little girl he's like our antenna is not strong enough and i said what kind of computer would say ether would be in range if your antenna wasn't struck? Obviously they're not in range. So his whole motivation for going to this other site was because the computer didn't know how strong their antenna was. Yeah. See, that's exactly what I was saying earlier. I had a lot of issues. <laughs> I was like, I was like, just have him be in a place where the antenna is strong because there's, there's no, emotional logical whatever reason for you know for us to watch him walk across this icy landscape really i mean it didn't it didn't make the story better no none of it made sense the only thing it did the only thing it did was make him lose his dialysis equipment so you know he was gonna die but that could have happened like he could have had a power surge like at the station and he lost it you know what i mean yeah like yeah. why wouldn't the computer say ether will be within range in 36 hours like when it's a little bit closer yeah it was anyway anyway well, also, i just like also if he's is it a is it a dialysis machine i thought it was like a transfusion machine like a what transfusion i thought that he was getting well, it looked like he was taking his blood out and then putting his blood back in, which I think is dialysis. I'm guessing. I'm guessing um, that it's it was something related to dialysis just because of what it did, but I don't I don't actually know. The thing, okay, so the thing about the dialysis transfusion machine, whatever it is, um, there was really no like there didn't seem to be a big enough reason in my mind for that to continue to be there. I think what I would have liked better is if, um, like what you said, something happened, it got destroyed. And so we're kind of watching this guy die, basically, essentially. Um, because at the end, which is kind of what I'm assuming happened, and I don't know how you viewed it, but at the end when Sully is talking to him um, and he like stops responding she's like oh we lost him and I'm kind of assuming that he died at that point but I was like that was so like for how long they had Augustine as part of the story if that's how quickly he died that's a weak way to kill him off you know what I mean yeah I didn't think he died because it showed him walking outside I thought he walked outside to like, like, it was really weird because she said, you know, like, we're going into a blackout zone soon, so we're going to lose you. And so she's describing this whole thing to him. And then it, it kind of seemed like he just like, as she was describing it, he just walked away and walked outside. Yeah. Well, it's like she said, oh, yeah, my name is Iris. And he goes, I know. And he starts crying. And mm -hmm. then he just kind of leaves. So I don't know if like the implication was once again they could have easily explained it by showing him looking up and maybe seeing their ship go around like leaving the atmosphere or something or not atmosphere it wasn't in the atmosphere but like going across the sky or something but instead he just like 
from what I had noticed, he just was walking out and he was looking at like the sunset or the sunrise or something. And, yeah. and then the movie ended and she, well, then she's like, I think we lost him. And I was like, but you didn't lose him. He just like walked away while she was talking. <laughs> No wonder he's a bad. No wonder he's a bad boyfriend. He's probably a bad. He'd be a bad father as well. First and last time he meets his daughter, he doesn't even let her finish her story. <laughs> have you seen um? Have you seen uh, the part yet in Thirty Rock where Edie Falco's in it? I'm not sure. You remember Cece's the one who um, she lost her face, but she got it better. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a scene where she's talking to Jack and he gets a call from the head of, of um, I can't remember the name of his company. He gets a call from Rip Torn's character. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And, and he like leaves the conversation, which is a very serious conversation. She's like talking about her past and like how it's affected her and traumatized her and stuff. And he leaves it. Oh, Geis, that's his name. He leaves it to go talk to Geis. And he comes back to the conversation and, and he's like trying to think of like a generic response that would like make sense to like what she's been saying because he clearly has not heard anything. And she goes, did you answer another phone call while I was talking to you? <laughs> what I feel like this is, is that it's like, I'm I'm sorry. Obviously, the sunset's more important than talking to my daughter who's in space right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it was weird editing, like really weird editing. But no, I didn't think he died at that point. Um, I did see the I did look at the wiki page, and it does say something about some sort of dialysis. But it also says that um, he went out to the to die in the cold. So I guess the assumption is that like he was gonna like stay out there and die, but that I don't even know if you can do that. Like unless you keep walking, but he didn't keep walking. Like I don't think, I don't think instincts will allow you to just sit in the cold until you die. I think you'd go into shelter. <laughs> one time, okay. So one time I was at my family, my aunt and uncle's place, and we were, um, I think we were like drinking or we were a little impaired and um my uncle it was like freezing outside because it was Christmas and my uncle's sitting on the steps falling asleep and he suddenly like he's like huh, what he's like you guys almost let me die out here I think you're I think you're right I think he was gonna go and die outside first of all obviously he's superhuman because he survived hypothermia yeah i don't know if he can do it yeah (laughs) so it's it would in my mind it would make sense that he maybe would walk outside to die because he doesn't want to like um like anyone to have to clean up his body maybe but what nobody's there there. i know it's just gonna yeah exactly so (laughs) i don't I don't know. I there there were several things about this movie I liked, but and I I have to mention I did think that the score was really really pretty, um, but you're there's I mean there's no science. Where's the science in this? And you know they're they're shoving 
this like emotional aspect down our throats without actually giving us any reason to feel emotional over it. So mm -hmm. it's, it, it was just, it, it, it left a lot to be desired. So, yeah. So would you recommend it? I would say if you're really into space movies and if you're, you like post-apocalyptic movies or you're a huge fan of George Clooney or you really like Felicity Jones or anyone else that's on the cast, sure, watch it. But I would also go in it knowing that your expectations are probably, you're going to be disappointed. Um, I would probably never watch it again. I may watch it 10 years in the future with someone else, but I would not actively seek it on my own. Oh, you mean on your, on your next podcast? My next, on my next podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Be, I are the watcher of movie. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm just going to take away the entire, yeah. I'm just going to talk the entire time about how I feel. About I like this. how you're, the title is going to be, I are the watcher of movie instead of I am the watcher of movie. Not grammatically correct, but it's fine. <laughs> it's gonna work out. <laughs> um, sure. Um, I, I guess I would say, I would, I wouldn't not suggest it, or you know what I mean, or I wouldn't not recommend it. I guess, but I would also say with the caveat of, just don't go in with high expectations. It's not going to be interstellar. You know, you're not going to go in and you're not going to watch some fantastic sci-fi movie. You're going to go in and you're going to go, okay, this was fine, but it's mediocre. It's, and that's it. It just, it doesn't, it's not terrible, but it's not great. Again, it will, will never win any awards. So what do you think? Would you recommend it? Yeah, I think I would recommend it. it pretty much the same reasons you would recommend it if you like space movies there's some interesting space aspects i really personally enjoy seeing the creativity that is done in various space movies you know what they do with the ships and the the science in that regard i think is interesting and this movie doesn't disappoint in some small aspects but yeah it's not the greatest movie i think if if you see the trailer or if you're not super into space movies you probably would be fine avoiding it but it, it, there are some, like, small gems if you're willing to give it some time, but don't expect it to be that great. Yeah. But it's not as bad. I didn't think it was as bad as, as the things I read implied that yeah. it was. I don't either. And so we should just, I feel like we should tell everyone, like, how this came to be. Because we have a long list of the movies we're going to do, and it's growing. And I actually had to remove it from um, where I keep, like, all the Instagram information and to put it in a new thing because it was getting so long that I was like, okay, this is too much. But uh, we were talking and we were talking at work and, and, um, and I was like, have you heard of this, uh, the Midnight Sky movie? And she's like, yeah, I have. And I'm like, you know what? I just keep seeing stuff that like people are saying it wasn't very good. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm kind of curious about it. And she goes, I'm curious too. And I was like, do you want to review it? <laughs> Ah, I do. <laughs> so. I also was like, I need to see for myself if it's as bad. So yeah, I was very curious about it. So like you told me that Wonder Woman wasn't that good. And so now I'm like, immediately, I'm like, I got to see it. <laughs> yeah, Wonder Woman. So that's a whole other story. But basically, my friend was over and she's like, let's watch Wonder Woman. 
I watched about 20 to 30 minutes of it and I wanted to like, I didn't care about the movie enough where I didn't pay any attention to it. And I'm like, it was really bad. And my friend's like, you didn't even watch the movie. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> it was terrible. I saw enough to know that it was bad. <laughs> I know? see. Yeah. And I honestly don't care about ever seeing that movie again. Also, uh, maybe like a wild opinion, but in your mind, <laughs> to you, does Pedro Pascal look like a Hispanic um, Nathan Fillion? Because I could not stop seeing it while I was watching him in that role. Who? Pedro Pascal. Look oh, from up. The Mandalorian? Yeah, but look him Yeah, yeah he does. Can you, Can you see that? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, that's good yes and, uh, Wonder Woman like he you know I mean it was like in the 80s so he had like he had suits on and like the, the way that his hair was done I was like I was like wow he looks so much like Nathan Fillion and I could not stop seeing it and I can't stop seeing it. <laughs> that's good no I agree yeah so anyway so find us on find us on instagram at watches and movies you can find us on facebook at watches and movies we also have another instagram where i like to post um little things that are pertaining to movies that i find funny or sam sends me and i also post them but that's called the watchers who find things uh we have a website and that's watchersandmovies.weekly.com and all of our episodes are posted on there so if you you know don't have a subscription or whatever you just want to listen on there you can listen on there uh we're on soundcloud spotify itunes google play stitcher um and thank you to mike for our theme music yes mike myers you can find him on twitter at the mike show 42 thank you mike thank you shelby for being on that was a treat my darling sister and um, don't hmm? and us for being an armchair sleuth yes <laughs> Great work, Shelby. And don't forget to run over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Write the movie title of a movie you'd like us to review in your iTunes review, and we will shoot that one up to the top. It will take priority, but never fear. If you can't get to iTunes, you can always send us recommendations, and we will add them to the list. They just won't take priority. Yes, and you can get a hold of us at watchersofmovies at gmail.com. Or yes. Whatever, private message, whatever you want to do. Um, you know, we'll carrier see. pigeon, anything. Carrier pigeon, sure. Yeah, yeah. I promise I'll open the window for it, but you know. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> why, why don't we box them? Why? <laughs> box them. <laughs> exactly. I get that reference. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye.